0: We are born with the urge to explore, to see what lies beyond the surface. At Terracon, we're focused on solving engineering and technical challenges for our clients from more than 175 locations nationwide. Our 6,000 employee owners will partner with you at every step of your project's journey, transforming big or small, the routine or complex into clear paths toward successful projects and vibrant communities. With on-time and real-time data-driven insights, a passion for problem-solving, and a commitment to safety, we don't just point the way, we go with you. Let's partner together on your next project. Visit Terracon.com to explore with us today.
1: Welcome everyone to this episode of Build America, the new podcast that's capturing and sharing the very heartbeat of engineering, design, and construction. I'm your host, Carrie Smith, and listeners and viewers, you are in for a treat today as we talk about a unique subject, mainly geotechnical and geological foundations, and this should be interesting to all of us, I know, because as partakers of the beautiful buildings and historical landmarks and other structures, oftentimes I know we don't think about what's been been done beneath the ground to support these structures. And so I'm really looking forward, as I know you all are, to learning from Travis Kassebaum today with Terracon. Travis earned his bachelor's degree in geological engineering from Missouri University of Science and Technology and also his master's degree there from geotechnical engineering at Missouri S&T. And he has been geotechnical department manager and principal at Terracon for five years now. And I should add that Terracon is an employee-owned, 6,000 employee-owned consulting, engineering, and Scientific firm. And we're just delighted to have you here with us today, Travis. Welcome to Build America. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Well, you were generous enough as we talked prior to filming this episode, recording it, about our topic, which is firm foundations for safe buildings and bridges. And I know that you had volunteered to open with a really sort of a fun historical landmark that many of us have seen. And that's Leaning Tower of Pisa in Pisa, Italy. And I know as a college student. When I toured there, I wondered, did they build it to lean? Did that happen afterwards? What's the scoop on that? And how does that relate to foundational engineering? I'm trying to think back when that was built. I think it was the year 1173 was built as a bell tower. But if you could start by giving us your take on why it leans and if it always did, that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, definitely. So built in 1173 is when it started. And they had several years of construction for it. And then after a couple of years, of construction, they actually paused construction. I'm not exactly sure if it was due to the leaning or other issues, but the tower started delaying about the time they got two stories on the building. Essentially, the soils in the area weren't consistent, so there were some variations in the subsurface conditions. And the one side on the tower just started drooping Or were dropping down about 100 years later, they actually started construction again. Oh, wow. As they got several more stories on, construction ceased, And it was about another 100 years later is when they did the final construction of the Bell Tower, which every time they started doing more work, the leaning started to increase even faster as that heightened the, the moment you know, got further and further over. The pauses, the two breaks of the 100 years in between construction is really kind of what saved that building and allowed the soils, the clays to consolidate underneath the building. So had they went ahead and built the entire tower during one construction, it would probably likely would have failed immediately. But because they had that time for consolidation of the soils, it was able to kind of withstand, consolidate, and basically get stronger over time.
1: Isn't that amazing? Because I was going to think the opposite, was, which is why I'm so glad you're on here teaching us today because I was thinking oh gosh today a project delay we never want those but that's actually the delays are what saved it and made it more structurally sound Yep, definitely that's wild I'm trying to remember too what the percentage of leaning is and if that you don't know how to ask that intelligently Travis if it continues to lean more with time or if it's just sort of maintained that percentage that angle
0: yeah, and up to just a few years ago, it's been continuing to lean. Now, I believe it was 1996. I read that correctly. They actually started to do some work to try to correct and preserve the building. And so they're doing some drilling operations, and removal of some of the soft soils, and replacement with better soils for the past several years to actually stop and hopefully eliminate any leaning and future leaning of the building. So where it's currently at, hopefully where it'll stay for the for the longevity of the structure.
1: That's great because I'm sure people not only want to look at it, I know back in the dark ages in my college years, I climbed it. So I don't know if people are still accessing it, but certainly that would be a concern to make sure it's structurally sound for people to appreciate it, looking at it and standing on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's cool. Well, thank you for jumping into that example. I think I should ask you to take a step back for us and just provide, I know it's a very complex subject and you do a brilliant job, as we've talked many times, of translating it for us as listeners. But give us an overview, if you could, Travis, of how essential firm foundations are and how much engineering really takes place before structures rise that we see. There's so much I'm sure that we don't see and we don't appreciate how essential firm foundation is.
0: uh, Firm foundation is kind of the base of any structure, both literally and figuratively. Anything that is supported has to have a good support underneath for, and the bigger the structure is, the bigger the foundation generally. With engineering, it kind of starts with kind of your site assessment and different areas of the country, of the state have different geologic formations underneath. The bedrock varies, the type of soils encountered varies, and these structures that are being developed all over all had different foundations based on what's actually down below the ground. And so you have a weak foundation, something that's not big enough for the structure it's supporting. You could look potentially encounter failure, catastrophic failure of the structures. The leaning tower being one example of had they built that completely all in one construction period, it would have failed with the, the shallow foundation that it was being supported on buildings and bridges. So structures such as buildings and bridges that are being supported on foundations we gather the information for those foundations by doing soil borings at the beginning of the project and that soil data whether it's soil or rock and some engineering analysis will tell us what type of foundation is most suitable for the structure as well as the size of the foundation needed undersized foundations definitely cause failure to the structure down the road. Geotechnical engineering, I guess, is a practice, is a little bit unique as we're not dealing with man-made structures. So every site's a little bit different and there's lots of variables with no right answers. So there's a lot of interpolation and extrapolation that goes in with geotechnical engineering. And that's where, when we're doing the engineering design, those factors of safety help protect and provide a little bit of
1: conservatism on the design so that there isn't catastrophic failures. Now you explained that really well and I love how you said that because I was thinking through the different engineering specialties and civil and metallurgical and mechanical and how you differentiated geotechnical because it really is a mystery of what you're going to find and how it's going to affect what you do next and I hadn't thought of it that way in terms of the number of unknowns that you face. Specifically, what you all do at TerraCon.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Every site's a little bit different. We do lots of work in the same general areas, but there's always those hidden, hidden little pieces that we didn't have on the previous site that makes that project a little
1: bit more unique. Oh, and, exactly. And trying to figure out how to handle those various challenges on each site. Right. Now, I wanted to appreciate you being willing to talk about some other examples that have nothing to do with Terracon, with your company, but just our examples that we know from a high profile sense. I know Terracon probably wasn't around to build the Tower of Pisa. Assuming that wasn't a Terracon project either. <laughs> But um, no. I, I know we all realize and have seen the back, I think it was back in 2007 at rush hour on the Interstate 35 bridge in Minneapolis and just seeing that bridge fail with a lot of cars on it at the time. And again, it had nothing to do with where you are at. But I know that I remember reading the National Transportation Safety Board, of course, came in and eventually determined that it was a design flaw. And I believe it was a thin gusset or a thin steel plate that ties the beams together that ripped along the rivets and just caught caused that catastrophic collapse. And I wondered in the years since that horrific 2007 incident, did that impact just design of bridges or was that kind of a one-off situation in terms of what occurred? And again, I know you're just speaking to it theoretically, but would just appreciate your take on that.
0: Yeah, so it's more of a structural issue, not a technical issue. But in the general sense of design and construction, we're constantly undergoing updates and new codes and new guidelines that we have to adhere to and engineering converts. With hey, this path on a project, this worked really well. We design and build to that new code. And over time, we try to figure out how can we build that same way, meet the code, but can we do it faster? Can we do it cheaper, less expensive? And so, a lot of times, we're within the code trying to construct and build and find ways to do it more efficiently until so we hit failure again. And then, once we hit that failure again, it's like, okay, stop. Obviously, that's not working. So, maybe the code then gets updated and, and new changes come out and new guidelines come out and it's just kind of an ongoing process where we're constantly trying to do be better and more efficient and improve with things. And by doing so, there's going to be issues that come up the other other area within our guidelines and kind of practices is inspections and making sure we have adequate inspections being performed in all aspects of projects. And those inspections kind of help to make sure that we're adhering to the codes and building guidelines. And so there's various samples in the past where issues have come up where those inspections may have helped alleviate some of those potential causes of damage to structures in the past.
1: Is that, you know, I know it differs with projects, but I'm intrigued by the inspections portion of the work. Is that done at particular junctures of construction or is it depend on the project? Like I'm wondering, typical project that maybe is 18 months to build, how many inspections of various types would take place on that project and how often?
0: Yeah. A lot of times there's constant inspections happening. So constant oversight during the construction, you know, by maybe the owner's rep, as well as the construction agency's rep, observing, documenting, kind of covering their bases, making sure, hey, everything's been constructed as it was designed. And on the contractor's side, everything's being constructed as designed. And here's my proof by doing so. And then uh, definitely on the geotechnical side, when we're out there doing the grading, we're out there testing compaction of the soil to of the soil, testing concrete, testing and reinforcement. And so really, the entire process should be inspected and tested and ensuring that we have quality stuff going out. One awesome. bad batch of concrete or something during the construction phase can cause issues down the road. Oh,
1: I'm sure. Well explained. So how critical is, in terms of building or bridges longevity, how critical is the foundation? That seems like a no-brainer question maybe, but just how does that play into the life cycle or the lifespan of the building or structure?
0: Yeah. So, you know, every structure has a projected lifespan, how long it's going to be in operation. And that is based on a solid foundation, a foundation that's going to support the structure for you know longer than that duration, but support it in such a way that it's going to prevent any future movement. So under constructed foundation might allow movement of the structure, causing damage to all the structural elements above. So if you have a bridge, for example, and the bridge is supported on 10 piers for the span of the bridge, and you have one bend of that bridge that settles a little bit, well, now you've got all this extra forces and tension on your structural element that could cause catastrophic damage, or you know, maybe just reduce the overall lifespan of that structure, causing this- maybe damage to concrete, which would open up corrosion to your reinforcement and just kind of escalates from there.
1: As you were speaking, I thought of another certainly St. Louis-centric famous landmark, the Gateway Arch. And I thought that was, I think, completed in the early 60s. And I was wondering if back in the 60s, I'm sure it's a constantly evolving science with all, you know, everything that you're bringing to bear the resources on your geotechnical work. And I wondered back in the case of The Arch, if, you know, my favorite movie is that black and white arch movie you watch in the museum and they're, they're using pretty much their abacuses and their slide rules and no harnesses and You know, it's early 60s. I wondered if back then they were thinking of these settling and geotechnical considerations or if it was just more simplistic in in how they would approach them, you know, back in the day.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, geotechnical engineering has been around since Terzaghi practiced geotechnical engineering, kind of one of the fathers of geotechnical engineering. And so definitely, I think during the construction of the arch, consideration of the different forces and everything being applied to such a unique structure was taken into great consideration, especially given the location of the arch right there near the Mississippi River, downtown St. Louis, definitely all kinds of challenges associated with that and potential forces being applied to it from the wind, from the water, from groundwater and so on.
1: Wow. And I bet, TierCon, I meant to ask you sort of where you're all working and what your geographical coverage area is in terms of where your projects are. But I bet if you're working in St. Louis or in Denver or wherever your project is, it has to be just markedly different in what you're finding beneath the surface in terms of soil conditions. Maybe you could share a little bit about some of the differences in different parts of the country.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Terrakine does work kind of all over the country and some projects outside of the country, and there's a lot of variability. So a good geotechnical engineer is generally going to be an expert kind of in their region. And we get into another area, a different state, where it has very different geologic characteristics. Instead of coming to me for that project, it might be better to call one of my colleagues' different office to help with that project because the subsurface Conditions do vary uh, greatly from one location to the next. Southeast Missouri, Blue Hill area, get into a lot of alluvial soils, deep bedrock, soft soil conditions, liquefaction potential. You're you're down there close to the New Madrid fault, and so there's lots of the. Uh, potential concerns with liquefaction, where when you build it, it may be nice and sturdy ground, but if you don't have the proper foundation for that area, and we do have a seismic event that causes liquefaction of the soil, then all of a sudden, you know, the foundation is sinking down you know, drastically and could have all kinds of issues. And then alternatively, if you're doing a project somewhere with like a shallow bedrock, central Missouri, southwest Missouri, and you have a design for deep foundations, it would be very challenging to construct that lots and lots of rock excavation. So
1: properly sized foundation from the area is really going to be critical. Wow. Explain for us again, and you kind of referred to it in context, but what <laughs> liquefaction is. Yes. can dumb down that definition for us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Liquefaction, essentially,
0: anytime there's a seismic, vibration event, and generally like a sandy soil with high groundwater, so increased pore water pressure would, the pore water pressure would increase and basically causes the soil to lose the strength. And if you think about it, if you've ever been to the beach and you go kind of walking on the sand, if you're right there next to the water, it can be nice and firm, but if it's fully saturated, it, it loses all its strength and you, you'll sink down. And so having that correct poor water pressure for the soil is kind of critical for the strength of that soil. You can't build a sandcastle with really, really dry sand. You can't build a sandcastle with singing
1: Well, oh, what a great definition that we can all relate to. That's for sure. With the, all the instances of the hurricanes and the tornadoes and the wildfires and all that, is, does that impact how often the international, I'm not sure if it's the International Building Code or what codes you guys adhere to as uh, geotechnical engineers, but how often do those come out and do these, it seems like increasing incidences of natural disasters, do they impact like how often new standards are brought forward? for.
0: They definitely do impact it. New codes, we generally follow like the international building code, but it's really going to be dependent on the project and the state that that project being developed in and, and what code that municipality has adopted as codes are continually being updated those natural disasters are taken into account wasn't too long ago and and we were doing a seismic retrofit project for a very large federal building that was getting updated for the latest IBC code and so they're having to go in and and doing all kinds of additional structural elements the part of that was kind of better understanding the soil conditions of the project so that they could design the correct seismic site classification for that seismic retrofit. And so I don't know too much about the wildfires here, like in in Missouri, you know, not generally a, right. a big concern, but I'm sure, you know, out West there's definitely fire codes that have to be updated and those codes would be updated for, for those potential hazards. Sure. It makes a
1: lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, we've just been, I've been so excited to learn from you today, Travis Kassabom, principal and geotechnical department manager with the St. Louis office of Terracon. And so interesting just to learn about things that we as everyday people never see that you all are hard at work at to make sure that what we do see stands the test of time literally and i'm so glad you could join us today thank you so much for being with us on build america yeah thank you
0: we'll hopefully talk soon
1: that'd be great i would welcome that take care bye-bye
0: Hello, my name is Anthony Thompson. I'm the CEO of the Kwame Building Group. You're listening to one of the greatest new podcasts in the city of St. Louis, Building Project Diversity. Please tune in and learn a few things about how you can improve diversity and delivery of your projects in the city of St. Louis.